0: Everybody, This is JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and welcome again to another episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. As always, you can catch me most likely on Twitter. My handle is at JJOutlaw. You can also catch me on the Instagrams, as the kids call it, at Gourmet Goober. You can drop us a line if you wanted to talk about the podcast, ask a question, um, anything that we have discussed in the past, or just join in. By sending us an email at thegourmieguber at gmail.com. You can check out old copies of our recipes and um, classic posts from our blog that's six years in county here in the Chicagoland area at thegourmieguber.com. And if you are so inclined for the Facebook, even though to be honest, the Facebook, as my cohort always says, is a work in progress, <laughs> but you can catch up on, with us on. The Gourmet Goober blog on Facebook. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, my BFF, that dude, that all own guy. I, I'm running out of adjectives to describe how awesome he is, but my hubby, <laughs> T-Outlaw. Hey, babe, how's it going?
1: Uh, it's going well. I am T-Outlaw. You can find me at T-Outlaw, <laughs> T-O-U-T-L-A-W.
0: We make it easy. <laughs> on
1: Twitter. And on Instagram at T Outlaw, Josie Wells. And if you're looking for me on Facebook, you got too much time on your hands.
0: I would stick to the Gourmet Goober blog if you want to find us on Facebook. That's how you find us. <laughs> got it. <laughs> so, um, again, it is a wonderful August weekend. And we are back for another bi-weekly episode of the Gourmet Goober for those of you who are in the know who listen to us every week, you know that we start off every single podcast by talking about how our week was. And Big Daddy, um, since you were coming off of a fabulous vacation, which we'll talk a lot a little bit more in this segment, how was your week?
1: <laughs> how was my week? Yes. Uh yes, I did. Um I did return after a week's vacation. Uh I didn't leave. Cause I don't have a kid. The keys to a brand new Porsche. <laughs> they wouldn't mind, of course not. But thus, I uh, nice Paris you know.
0: Beeler reference.
1: <laughs> I think that was actually from uh, parents don't understand from like Will Smith Oh yeah,
0: that's Fresh
1: where could... Yeah.
0: Well, I don't think he left the keys to the Porsche. I think he just took the keys the the key the <laughs> over there.
1: <laughs> and the parents left the keys to a brand new Porsche. Did they mind? Mm, well, no, of, of course, course not. not. <laughs> You no, know, I'll just take it for a little spin and maybe show it off to a couple of friends. I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, of course I should. <laughs> but yeah, so now that we've showed my age, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I did partake of uh, a little vacation after a few months and uh, spent most of it um, pittering around the house doing things and uh, doing a couple days at the beach or a little time at the beach. I'm a little darker than usual. Um, but most importantly, I did uh, go to... Um, Indianapolis, spent a little time in Naptown with Jennifer, JJ Outlaw's family, (laughs) Um, Doing uh, having a nice little dinner uh, for the birthdays and uh, partaking of different foods and cuisines, but most importantly, um, learning the value of love and family and how close-knit JJ Outlaw's family is.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy that you had a chance to you know, hang out with us. Um, Big Daddy referenced the birthdays in August and just segueing off of that into how my week went. Um, We have a very strange thing in her family that we're a family of six and four of us are born in August. So I'm born on the 7th. No, sorry, I'm born on the you second. Didn't you born again? <laughs> I'm born on the second. What's your age again? No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> We're not revisiting that. Listen to last week's episode. No, I was born on the second. My brother's born on the seventh. My mom's born on the eighth, and my sister's born on the 28th. And the only weirdos in my family are like my dad, who's born in January, and then my youngest brother, um, who. Was born in December that we all joke with my parents that it was a warm winter and that's why he wasn't an noggin's baby. Um, but yeah, so coming back during the month of August is always a fun time because it gives us an opportunity to celebrate our birthdays together, um, and that's what we try to do in the past. And this birthday's really was special because my mother turned seventy. Woo! Happy birthday, mom! Now I'm not going to go into a lot of details about that because. My mother is a very private person. And as I learned that she recently said to Big Daddy, do not divulge information about her. And what does she call the little talky chatty thing?
1: Yeah. Don't uh, don't <laughs> put her name in your mouth on the little talky chatty thing. <laughs> or on the internet.
0: And that's not to say that she doesn't support our little talky chatty thing. I think that's why we're going to child podcast. I'm going to change it to gourmet goover podcast a talky chatty thing <laughs> and it's not that she doesn't support us it's just like i said my mom's really kind of private so i'm not going to go into a lot of details other than to say that she's awesome and my friends and i we all have great respect for her in fact it's funny my friends from college call her mama jackson with <laughs> good reason because they know she don't play <laughs> and, um like i said she turned the big 70 my dad turned 70 in january Um, they have been, wow, you know what, they're waiting, oh crap, I just remember their wedding anniversary was yesterday. What? Yes, their wedding anniversary was yesterday. 46 years, y'all. My parents have been married for 46 years, so happy birthday, or no, sorry, happy anniversary, mom and dad. (laughs) We're going to have to call them after we record this episode, I just... I have been so crazy busy at work. I totally forgot that was their anniversary. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Didn't know that. Good to know.
0: So, their anniversary in August. My mom's birthday's in August. Um, They're pretty awesome people. So, glad that we got a chance to spend, what was it, four days with them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little bit over, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, left Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, left Sunday morning. So yeah. about three and a half, four days with them. Um, it was cool for my my parents because I live in the Chicagoland area and all the rest of my family lives back home in Indianapolis. My younger brother, Ben, shout out to Ben Hay, is a truck driver. So he's traveling all over the place. So the idea of having all of us in one spot is actually pretty cool for my parents. And so they were super psyched by that. Um and yeah, that kind of made the highlight of my week. Um, like I said before, it was just crazy busy at work to the point where, you know, I kind of had a couple come to Jesus moments <laughs> and commuting back and forth. But that said, to be able to take a few dates off, take my um, email off my phone. So I'm not getting any emails and just kick back and relax with family and showing off some of the places and haunts that I love so much growing up in the midwest and indianapolis um it was a lot of fun so I really enjoyed it amongst the highlights that I got to share with big daddy while we were there um we had an opportunity to sample and take part in some of the indianapolis traditions that it's just what makes life there really cool one is the tradition of getting a Long's Donut, which if you guys have never experienced Long's Donuts, I've never heard of it. Long's Donuts is a little donut shop. There's two places in Indianapolis, right? Um, There's their main location. I want to say it's on, what was it, Tremont? Yes. Yeah. And then there's like a newer location in Southport. It's a family-owned donut chain. They have been around forever for decades, right? Um, They still run their donuts the same way they did when they started it years and years and years ago. So it's cash only. Um, And the thing about a lungs donut is you go for two things. One, you go for the glazed donut. And I know everyone's thinking, wow, glazed donuts are kind of basic, right? Like, who gets excited over a glazed donut? No, 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 no. Longs glazed donuts are amazing. It's not just like a regular glaze. Cause you know how, like, you ever have like a glazed donut where it's just kind of glazed and there's not much anything substantial in it, right? It's just kind of airy and flaky. And I don't know. It's just, it's hard to describe. A regular glazed donut is just not fulfilling, right? Yeah. A longs glazed donut, the dough in which they use it, it has this amazing texture. So wouldn't you say like the inside is like really substantial and chewy? Yes. And then on the outside, um, it's really flaky. And then the way that the glaze is, it kind of caramelizes nicely. So you know how with some glaze, notice you get like this gooey mess mm. if you don't eat it right off the thing? No, 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 no. Their glazed donut is perfect. So, like, every bite, you just get this, like, really substantial, wonderful donut. And so, over the years, longs, many companies have tried to buy longs. Krispy Kreme very famously wanted to buy them outright. And they're like, "Um, no. And so, they're like, okay, well, we will pay you for your recipe. And we'll expand the longs donuts outside of Indianapolis. And they're like, "Uh, no, we're. We're cool. We we just want these two places. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So when you go to Indianapolis and you get a Longs, first you come for the glaze. That's the thing one you go to. And then the second one is my wonderful brother said when he was horrified to find as my siblings were during our trip, that my husband and our long, long, long over 20 years relationship has never had a Longs donut. And so we were all talking, right? Like, Okay, so do we go right now? They close at 10. No, 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 no. You just don't go to Long's Donuts, right? You got to go and wait in line for the Long's Donuts. That's the second part of going to Long's Donuts because as Benjamin put it, the truck driver, it's the anticipation. <laughs> Waiting in line knowing that you're going to be rewarded with the Long's donut. Thank
1: and- you, Captain Kirk.
0: <laughs> and so that's the experience of it. Like you get up early, right? And you go to this location in Tremont, and it's this little, like, seriously, you would say it's probably nondescript if it wasn't that big sign that says Longstone is here, right?
1: Yeah, it's just basically like a bakery on a corner.
0: Right. But the thing is, you park on the street on the side of the road if you're not lucky enough to get one of the, um, you know, parking spots that's inside this really small parking lot that they have adjacent to the place. But then you wait in line. And it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your status. Yeah, I'll wait in line for those damn donuts. That's part of it. So it would be hilarious because you would get up in the morning, right? And there will be like businesses who will send someone out to get the donuts. So there'll be like one guy that's like waiting for just like a small bag of donuts. And then the next person in line will be like this construction worker getting donuts on his way to work. And then the person in front of him will be this person in the three-piece suit talking on his cell phone who just pulled up in, like, a Bentley and is, like, getting, like, a hundred donuts for his office. And you all wait in the same line. You do. You pay cash. (laughs) There are no credit cards. They don't even entertain that. It's cash only. The prices haven't changed much in over the last 70 or 80 years. And you just go and you get your donut hmm <laughs> So when we all decided, like, oh my gosh, during this vacation, T Outlaws never had a donut. Big Daddy's never had a donut. So we're like, do we go now? Do we go to Southport? Venture's like, no. You have to give him the experience of getting a donut. And so we explained what that means. Like, this means you have to get up early and get the donut. And he's like, oh, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, yeah, sure, I can get up early. So, fine, bet. So the next day, <laughs> what was it? On Friday morning, you're like, I wake you up, what what time? Like, what? 6.30? It was 6 o'clock.
1: I don't remember. <laughs> it
0: was 6 o'clock. And I'm like, come on, we gotta go get the donuts. And you looked at me like I was nuts.
1: Because I'm on vacation.
0: And I'm like, you said that you would be willing to get up early to wait in line for the donuts. Because the thing is, you got to get there early because if you're behind that dude who buys like a hundred donuts for, you know, his, his office, eventually they could just run out of donuts and you be SOL. So I'm like, come on, we got to get up and get the donuts. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Like, wait, I don't understand this. I'm like, you agreed that we would get up early to get the donuts.
1: Yeah, I missed the part about, like, early, early. I'm thinking, early. like...
0: Early! They, they, they open at 5.30. 6 is kind of late. 6 is kind of
1: late. I <laughs> yes. missed this. Yeah. I'm sorry. I missed out on the whole, like, <laughs> early, early. I'm thinking, like, am hey, on vacation. Yeah, I get up at, like, you know, 8 o'clock, go get in one. No, no, apparently... No,
0: you got to get up early for that rush and wait in line for the donut. Mm, so, Vic Daddy mm. did not understand this until I explained it to him. And later on... When my brother talked to him, he's like, wait, he didn't stand in line? And I was like, no, he didn't get up. And he's like, dude, you got to stand in line for the donut. <laughs> you just don't wait for them to hand it to you. It's not fresh. You got to get it right when they serve it. You got to get up early for it.
1: Okay. So, yes, I am used to <laughs> going to uh, shout out to, you know, the world's greatest, like, you know, popcorn, at least to me. Um, you know, Garrett's where, yes, you stand in line behind some berry. Rich bougie people and you know, some you know, tourists and whatever, but Garris
0: doesn't open until 10.
1: Yeah, Garris not open (laughs) until 10. Okay, I'm used to the lines,
0: no, and
1: you know, I'm used to like going (laughs) to like you know, hot dogs and whatever, like you know, guy rest on like you know, their business, but thus, like you know, getting in line, like you know, being around the corner. So I'm used to like lines and length, but I wasn't used to like okay, five, six, seven in the morning being on land line behind some folks. Um,
0: right, because here's the thing. You saw how little the parking was. So you had to get there a certain time to make sure you, there's parking, mm-hmm. right? Because that's like a, a residential neighborhood behind them. And so people are, like, trying to get and go to work and live their lives, and there's all these people coming for their donuts, and they're used to it. But I'm like, dude, the real long experiences you got, to get your behind up and get the freshest donut, and that means standing in line with everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Long's purist.
0: (laughs) We tried to give him the real Long's experience, and he rejected it. (laughs) You
1: got me up eventually.
0: Okay. All right. So here's actually what happened. He did get the Long's donut while we were there. We got up on Saturday, and then we went when, like at 8 o'clock in the morning. It was still really early.
1: Yes. Early.
0: And, And so we drove there. There was a line. There was a line out the door like you would normally experience for a long stone end. In there fact, was a
1: line in the door. I,
0: I think, what, there were like 20 people ahead of us, which isn't bad. Yeah, 15,
1: 20. 15,
0: 20. So all along, we waited maybe about 20 minutes or so, maybe half an hour at the most. But it was worth it. It was worth it to go through. And it was so funny because my brother and everyone was there. And they're all like waiting around staring at you like, And we got more than glazed donuts, right? They have, like, different types. So we got, like, their cinnamon fried. We got their glaze. We've got their blueberry cake, which is really, really good. We got their chocolate case glaze. But, of course, everyone is standing around looking at you like you're some kind of science experiment when we get back to my parents' house.
1: Yeah, they basically call me Mikey. I'm like, try the
0: glaze.
1: Wait a minute. (laughs) I walk up in there, and I'm like, I'm thinking, okay. I'm going to get some donuts. I wasn't even like, they're all like focusing on this glaze. I'm like, I got me a chocolate, you know, donut with sprinkles. I'm shit.
0: But you don't go there for the chocolate donut with sprinkles, although they are really good. They yeah. are really good. Mm-hmm. You go there for the glaze. And so everyone was waiting for you to try the glaze. It was kind of cute. But was it not one of the best glazed donuts you've ever had in your life?
1: I don't know. I'm afraid to answer this question. or else, you know, I'm going to have like, you know, jj outlaws brothers like stomp me out
0: they may not just talk to you anymore
1: yeah i'm more afraid <laughs> of them, yeah. i'm more afraid of them stomping me out okay they were the best glazed donuts i've had
0: Woo! Yes! <laughs> so yeah so
1: that's a low bar still
0: <laughs> so if you go to indianapolis you guys do the lungs but stand in line speaking of experiences in waiting Um, while we were there during our little vacation is we went to another place in Indianapolis that's called Sea Kings. It's on 38th Street. It's actually well-known for their really audacious um, seafood um, menu items. So, like, one of the things that they have that their signature menu item was um, fried lobster and waffles which I didn't have a chance to try. I wanted to, but I was just thinking that might be too audacious even for me. (laughs) Although I may hit it up the next time I go to Indianapolis Mm. Um, while we were there, unfortunately had an incredible long wait. Um, My brother who goes there all the time, um, who's kind of like a foodie like me swears that they're usually pretty fast. So we both think that they may have had a new person behind the grill that said, while I was there, I, I, Got one of my favorite things in the world to eat, an alligator po' boy. I haven't had one since I left the South um, and went to grad school in the University of Southern Miss. And I have to say their alligator po' boy is probably one of the best po' boys I've had um, since moving back up north um, after school. Um, The alligator was just well breaded, but it was really kind of crispy on the outside And then real moist and juicy on the inside. It was incredibly seasoned. The remoulade sauce that they used to top it, it's kind of like their spicy sauce that you use with a lot of pool boy and Cajun food. It was really incredibly well seasoned and had the right around a kick to it. Um, The breading was substantial enough so that when you top it with the sauce and the slaw and all the other fixings, as they like to say, um, it didn't get soggy and bogged down. It was really, really good, you guys. So I got an alligator pool boy at St. King's while I was in Indianapolis. My dad, I got to treat him to his very first shrimp pool boy ever, and I have I'm happy to say that that was his first shrimp pool boy experience. So he really loved it, and this to see the happiness in his face made up for the wait. Um, my mom got some catfish, which she loved. It's kind of funny because we wound up waiting, what, 45 minutes for our meal? Yes. Which was extraordinarily long. However, my dad has a theory that the reason why we waited so long is because Big Daddy at a seafood restaurant <laughs> ordered chicken.
1: I was told a long time ago, <laughs> a long time ago by our reviewer, if you want to get some good food and see how good the restaurant really is, no matter where it is. Or something that isn't, like, their number one hitter. So, thus, I've, I'm i now a seafood, you know, guy, pretty much on the top, like, of what I eat.
0: Right.
1: So, I say, okay, fine.
0: You I'm got chicken and chicken waffles. waffles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although, you have to say, the waffles, you were praising the waffles. So, the waffle was amazingly good. So, that being the case, I can't wait to try the fried lobster and waffle next time I'm in town. Um, But the chicken, how was the chicken?
1: Chicken was good. It was like, you know, going to get some chicken, but, you know, I was a little concerned because it seemed like the, either in the batter or in, like, the grease that it was, seemed like it was, like it had come from the same grease as, like, you know, some of the seafood may have came from, but, you know, over the top, yeah, it was pretty good.
0: Well, outside of that, though, probably the best part of our trip to Indy, foodie-wise and just experience-wise and definitely was the highlight of my week was our trip to the indiana state fair and okay i know this sounds incredibly cheesy (laughs) but growing up in indianapolis the state fair was like a big part of our life you know um and like with a lot of midwestern um states the state fair is kind of like a really great place to kind of come together and you see you know, different contests. There's lots of animals. Um, If you're into that, um, there's usually a really great midway that you can ride rides. But then you also go for the crazy ass fair food. And I got to say, when we first came into town and we were trying to figure out what we're going to do during Big Daddy's vacation, my time there, and I realized that state fair was going on, I was super excited because the state fair was a part of my life Every year growing up as a kid, it was just something you look forward to in August. Your birthday, your sibling's birthday, your mama's birthday, and the state fair. It was all in August. It was just like, when I was a child, August was just all about me. <laughs> and all the stuff I love is in freaking August, right?
1: Didn't you worry about going back to school around, you know, when you were younger?
0: I liked school.
1: Yeah, you are weird.
0: <laughs> but yes, I like going to school. <laughs> I was a weirdo. I told you. So anyway, so Big Daddy, when he shared with me that not only has he never had a Long's donut, but he's never been to the Indiana State Fair, which admittedly you went to what? A county fair? I did. And I said that wasn't the same. And I kind of feel bad because I kind of giggled like, yeah, what's a county fair? But (laughs) I took him to the Indiana State Fair and we went there with a plan y'all because as we were talking about going and seeing the sites one thing that we came across was a list of the food that you couldn't miss while you're at the state fair like the top 10 state fair foods to look for and as soon as I found out that one of the fair food in particular was duck fat poutine Deep fries fried. Yeah. I was like I'm in <laughs> You had me a duck fat fries, <laughs> and then poutine. I've talked on the show about my insane obsession with poutine.
1: You want to give them a refresher on what poutine is?
0: Yes, poutine. If you are not familiar, it is a Canadian delicacy. Um, basically, what it is, it's at its most basic components. It's fries topped with a gravy, topped with um, cheese curds. And usually topped with bacon or um, onion or some other type of thing to kind of enhance the flavor. Um, it is my fav- one of my favorite things in the world to eat. When we went to Canada last year, I think I lost my shit every time I saw the word poutine. <laughs> like literally, they serve poutine everywhere. They serve it at McDonald's. They have poutine at a w Hot Dogs, like their hot dog place. It's just, okay. it's it's ubiquitous with Toronto and Canada. It's poutine, right? It's one of their um, signature dishes. And I admittedly started one in of Toronto and like ate my way poutine-wise all throughout the rest of the city. To the point where my husband is just like, okay, you're done. (laughs) You are so done.
1: Yeah, I'm a fried dude. sometimes (laughs) I'm like, that's quite enough.
0: So when I saw that they had poutine at the Indiana State Fair, I was like, sold. Bam, I'm done.
1: Not just straight up poutine. Deep fried duck
0: fat. Right. It was duck fat fries poutine. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. so we went with the target of hitting the duck fat fries poutine. Then they had something that was the barbecue no, it's the deep fat I'm sorry. The deep fried barbecue bacon. Yes. Um, which what it was was bacon that was battered. Um I I personally think they just coated it with like a flour. Because sometimes I've done that in the past and you can fly the bacon and it makes it crispier and it gives it kind of like a a flaky crust on top of it and I think that's what they did and then they topped it off with a barbecue sauce. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you were really excited, Big Daddy, to try that. Yes. And so we went to the place um, that did it. They also had like a deep fried um, pork chop on a stick because If you go to a state fair, just as a side note, everything is deep fried. Deep fried Oreos, deep fried cheese. I've seen it one year. Deep fried butter. The Indiana State Fair was famous. I think they're one of the fairs that started the deep fried butter craze, which I've never had. But shout out to my friend Kristen, who actually had the deep fried butter. And she told me if you try it, it's like a donut with butter on it. So she really likes it. (laughs) Donuts with butter on it. Yes. Okay. But... So when we saw this deep fried bacon, you had your choice of you getting get a half pound of it or a pound of it. And we ordered the half pound and we were kind of worried like, wow, it's just the two of us. It might be too much. No, when we got it, it was considerably smaller. So you could tell that they use like maybe a lesser quality bacon that shrinks anyway when you cook it. Right. So it wasn't like a thick cut. But I kind of feel bad because you were really looking forward to that particular one. And you were as actually as happy as you thought you would be eating it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, granted the the bacon itself was pretty good. I mean, it was not substantial, (laughs) yeah, because bacon is light. But at the same time, I admit, you know, it could have been a little more substantial. Like it rendered a great deal, but it was good bacon. It was very crispy bacon. Now the barbecue sauce, however, was quite swifty, quite Taylor (laughs) Swifty. It was very, very.
0: It was basic. Regular, yeah, it was very <laughs>
1: basic, very regular. Um, nothing to write home to anybody about. Um, but it could have helped make this bacon uh, really beautiful. But at the same time, it just made it very average.
0: So it was the barbecue sauce that you were disappointed about. And the barbecue sauce, you guys, was kind of drippy. It wasn't really substantial. It didn't really have a kick to it or a defined it didn't even really have any defined undernote flavors,
1: right? No. I mean, it was just basically your garden variety. You no. Know, uh, it was like, go open- to the store. It was like hunts, you know, going to the corner baking.
0: <clears throat> it was like watered down open pit.
1: No, I wasn't trying to, like, you know, degrade open pit. Cause, you well, know-
0: no, not this open pit. I was raised in open pit, okay? Open pit is like the stuff we served and we, you know, but you, you don't just serve open pit out of the bottle. You usually, like, funk it up a bit.
1: Yeah. It's like open pit is your base, but at the same time, yeah, this barbecue sauce was like, like you definitely just went to the corner and said, all right, I need some, some sauce that like, you know, in mass, let's get this going. And that's what they came up with. But I mean, did it help? No, but you know, as my wife, who is a, a definite lover of different, um, seasonings and flavors. Yeah. It definitely could have used a lot of different spices that go along with it to accentuate the bacon, but they just stuck with that little plain ass barbecue sauce. Yeah.
0: So <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily a highlight, which is too bad because I know we chose three major things we wanted to try. So um, although the duck fat poutine, which by the way, if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen it. It was really, really incredible. It's everything you could ever want in duck fat um, poutine and duck fat fries. It was very crispy, and in fact, the only thing I probably was missing on it was more gravy. I should have asked for more gravy. Yeah. but in the case of the barbecued um deep fried barbecue bacon, uh, it wasn't as lovely as we thought it would be. so um, but I'm glad I had the experience, and we talked to the few people who owned the place who happened to be um alumni of our Alma Mater, Ball states, so we had a really great conversation about that. Um, oh, you? Yep. <laughs> okay. anyway. So, we did get something out of the experience, even though it wasn't what we were hoping for, food-wise. But, that is not why we came to the State Fair. Not just about the duck fat protein, no. You guys, they had something so audacious, so insane. I actually took a video of it, so again, if you follow me on Instagram, you will actually see it. You guys, they had a deep-fried chocolate cookie ice cream sandwich. Let me just say that again, because I don't think you understand the gravity of what's all in this. It is a deep-fried chocolate cookie ice cream sandwich. There so,
1: should be, like, a sound effect behind <laughs> it, like a boom or, like, a, you know...
0: Yeah, they they should be like every time you should hear you should hear a trumpet. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah. <laughs> so what they did, you guys? Okay, so they took two large chocolate chip cookies. Oh, well, that's large, but you know about the size of the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. Um. So they took two chocolate chip cookies. They put a pretty substantial scoop of vanilla ice cream, and made an ice cream sandwich. But wait, there's more. Then they then dip that into a batter. A, f- a funnel cake better Okay mm-hmm. And then they take that And then they deep fry it And then once they're done They're not done Because after they take it out of the deep fryer They then top it with chocolate sauce And powdered sugar it's Yes like, what? Chocolate sauce And powdered sugar you guys So we decided that we're not leaving the Indiana State Fair or the city of Indianapolis without partaking of this monstrosity. So it was the last thing that we ate before we left. Mm -hmm. So this place, um, we, we got the order. They had to prepare it for us, and they bring it to our table. We were so worried about the content of this dessert. We were literally saying our goodbyes. Each other at the table, we were just like, "Well, it's been a great marriage." <laughs>
1: Took my blood sugar and my blood pressure while we
0: waiting. I know we're just like, "It's been a good life." I, you know what? I'm I'm glad to spend my adult life with you. <laughs> we we're plotting to say, "Okay, so if Jennifer has a heart attack after eating this, what will you say to her family?" <laughs>
1: She made me do it.
0: <laughs> oh, great. So just throw me under the bus in my last moments. Okay. I see how you are.
1: Yeah, I want I'm, I'm <laughs> your brothers to stomp me out.
0: <laughs> so they bring this dessert to our table, right? And it was amazing. It was really, really good. It was kind of like, and this is the insane part. If you guys have ever been to New Orleans... And you know, if you've ever been to the Café du Monde, the place that's known for beignets, right? It kind of had the classic smell and taste of a beignet. So, it was like an ice cream stuffed beignet. Yes. It really was. It was so funny. We were like, because I gave it to it, and we had two forks and we dove in. And we're just like, wow, this is literally like eating a beignet.
1: Mm-hmm. With ice cream.
0: With ice cream. And it was it was, it was was really cool. So, like, the outside was still warm, and the inside, it kind of was like, if you ever order, like, a molten chocolate cake, and you know, have, like, the gooeyness come outside. It's sort of like that, and it it was that dichotomy of, like, warm, the warmth of the cake plus the inside being gooey and still cold at its core because they flash fried right in such a way that, the inside doesn't heat up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the flakiness of the actual funnel cake topping and surrounding the crust, and compare that with the you know, the gooiness of the ice cream and then the powdered sugar. I mean, it was it was a once in a lifetime thing. I'm glad I ate it. I don't know if I ever want to try it again because, again, I like living.
1: No, I don't have a problem.
0: <laughs> Big Daddy had no. Res- reserve whatsoever.
1: I'm not a quitter.
0: <laughs> He's like, look, if I gotta go, I gotta go and smile, right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: You really liked it, though, right?
1: Yes, I did. It was very, very good. I liked it. It was tasty.
0: It was rich, though. I was not expecting it to be so rich. That's cool. I'm rich, too. <laughs> After a while, we were digging in, and maybe it's because all the other stuff we had at the fair, we were just like, oh. We reached the point where literally our bodies were like, you are now done.
1: <laughs> yes, you, are, you have completed your deep breath tour. <laughs> you may now exit.
0: Exactly. The only thing I could use and compare it to is like that one time we went to Fogo de Chao and we ate so much meat that I tried to eat something meat and my body literally repelled it from me. <laughs> it was you. just like, you are not eating this any longer. <laughs> You're done, JJ put the fork down. <laughs>
1: yes, at a certain point at Pueblo <laughs> Chow, you reached the point of meat sweats.
0: Oh, it was past meat sweats. There's a place you go past meat sweats. And at that point, my body was physically repelling the meat. <laughs> and that's how it was with the ice cream. My body was like, nah. Sis, you're none.
1: <laughs> you have done well.
0: <laughs> you have done well. You serve the foodie culture proud, but Now it's time to put down the ice cream and go back to your parents.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So all in all, my week was incredible. I ate some stuff that was really amazing. Mm. But more importantly, I got a chance to spend time with my family and Big Daddy. And that was really, really cool. So that kind of made everything up. Of of your time there, was there a favorite thing that you ate? I was just curious. And this is not going to interfere with the best thing we ate. That's a different segment. Oh, Oh,
1: that was cool. But, but,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, uh, the best thing I had, are we talking about the fair or just overall?
0: Well, the fair. Uh, Especially since I know you weren't happy with the bacon.
1: Once again, like, I, I'm not dogging the bacon itself.
0: No, because it's bacon. Yeah,
1: <laughs> bacon is, you know, is life. I would be willing to say that, yes, the bacon is Probably the best thing I ate there, but no you know, that's without you know the sauce. But yeah, pretty much saying yeah, close, pretty I'm much right there with the, the
0: poutine. Oh, okay, because I was about to say you were actually shocked that I shared the poutine with you, which I did.
1: I didn't have any like no fork marks in my hand.
0: No, he was afraid that I was going to stab him with the fork with the poutine I shared. Mm-hmm.
1: 32 <laughs> <32%. laughs> percent got. It.
0: Look, we're not going to talk about what percentage I shared. No, I shared.
1: no, 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 no. Your whole family is <laughs> into, like, percentages and halves and making sure everything is fairly cut. No, I was, you know, since I was down there, I was, like, checking numbers. And, yeah, I think it was on, like, a, I, I got to think maybe, like, 33, 35% of it.
0: What he's alluding to is when you grow up in a big family like I did, um, to eliminate fights, we... We kind of measure things out when we split, like, desserts and things with, like, a scientific type (laughs) precision to ensure that no one gets a bigger slice of cake than someone else or no one gets more of a pizza than someone else because, you know, otherwise blows will be thrown. (laughs) So...
1: Yeah, but y'all, you know, y'all take it to a whole nother strategy. Like, you know, whipping out (laughs) compasses and levels. We do not. (laughs) Y'all be like whipping out like, all of a sudden, like, you know, one one sibling, like your sister, I think, will whip out a tape measure. Be like, damn. She only did
0: that once. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, we are just really blessed to be back um, after that amazing week. It was very restful. Thank you to my family for giving us the opportunity to spend time and reconnect and enjoy. And, you know, shout out to, again, my mom and dad. Um, This weekend, they're celebrating their 46th wedding anniversary. So I'm very proud of them.
1: Your your parents could stand each other that long.
0: (laughs) They give us hope. (laughs) And thank you for my siblings for celebrating our birthday together. It was really, really fun. So we are going to take a short break and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the next segment on what's eating us. And then as always, we close out every podcast with the best thing we ate this week. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Loreno. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at amazon.com. Everybody, we are back. Um, This is JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. I'm here as always with my BFF, my... I don't want to call him sidekick because he's really not. He's my partner in crime,
1: T Outlaw. (laughs) I'm that dude.
0: He's that dude. And we are back, Big Daddy and I. This is the part of the podcast that we always like to um, discuss um, things in pop culture and things that really... Make us think, both in foodie and beyond, called What's Eating Us. And actually, before we go any further, there was one thing that, you know, we were talking about it and we learned something really cool um, when we took a quick break. So I thought it'd be nice to kind of add. um, Because it was eating me for a while, to be honest. Yeah, it was
2: eating
0: you. Eating at me. Maybe I should say it that way so we can keep this PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you um live in Chicago land, or just around closer,
1: yeah around the Midwest,
0: around the Midwest, but it's we learn it's a Chicago thing. Um, you may have been familiar with the phenomenon that is known as steak and lemonade restaurants. So mm-hmm. you mostly find them on the south side of Chicago, although they are on the west side. Um, There's a fairly large one near where I live. Um, To be honest, I've never seen them like in like River North or places like that. Is you'll usually find them in like black neighborhoods. To be honest, steak and lemonade.
1: Yeah, I mean you might find them in you know you go like you know uh, some other little spots like in the Latino neighborhoods.
0: Oh, that's true. They do have them in East Chicago. They have a big one in East Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they may have one in Humboldt Park too. And that's the historic Puerto Rican neighborhood in Chicago. Yes. Um, so it was always a mystery to me. And I every time Big Daddy and I would go and get steak and lemonade, we would talk about, oh, my gosh. So why do they pair steak and lemonade? Because it's not technically a Philly steak. It's Philly steak-like. But it's not. I mean, it's close to a Philly steak.
1: Yeah, nothing is like a, a, a traditional like Gino's or Pat's yeah. or just a general like Philly cheesesteak, you know, straight out of the the box. Um or the bag, you know, good smelly bag. But uh yeah, every t- like the few times I went to Philadelphia, I- I've been in the restaurant and they they never seen them like drop. me, like they have lemonade on
0: the, the menu. menu,
1: but it's not <laughs> like something they're like, okay, we giving this thing like coat top billing to.
0: Right. So we have been wondering about this for weeks, and then we went to Indianapolis to visit, and then I noticed that there are a bunch of steak and lemonade restaurants popping up there, too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy crap, is it spreading everywhere? Because it's not, like you said, a Philly thing. So we have been researching this for weeks, and actually, I we found the answer, and it's really quite interesting. It was Um, a
1: Google thing.
0: (laughs) Yes, it was a Google thing, thanks to our friends at WBEZ. and if you're familiar with WBC, um, they're the local PBS station um, in the area, um, NPR, rather. And I um, am a devotee of all of their programming. Seriously, I'm if it's not on XM, it's on WBC. <laughs> but um, they have this really great program that's called Curious City. And I guess I'm not alone in wondering what the hell is with all of these taken eliminate restaurants. Where did they come from? They're kind of unique. And the cool thing is, it is a Chicago thing. Um, it was started by, I forget the name, the gentleman's name. You said it. Uh, he went by Baba, which is Arabic for father or daddy?
1: Yeah, I couldn't remember the exact name. Please forgive us for our research notes. <laughs> but yeah, it was just uh, one of those things where he was, uh, he brought forth, you know, a uh, uh, steak thing like it was uh, originally something else and they said hey let's pair together the lemonade with it
0: yeah because people were like really what they were finding was that people were really interested in the steak and lemonade yeah. and he opened up one restaurant and it kind of became like a thing so if you're around Chicago you may be familiar with Baba's um, famous steak and lemonade he was the first and then other people have jumped on it. So it's now become such a popular thing. Um, and it's mostly in the Midwest and black neighborhoods. Now you can find them in like Wisconsin and I think it said Ohio in some places. In yeah. fact, in, in different states outside of Chicago, they actually call it Chicago steak and lemonade.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Which I thought was kind of fascinating.
1: You would think that was so sad to head, but yeah, we were like, we were thinking, oh, yeah, it's like an East Coast thing. You know, maybe it's like a, yeah, a down like, south thing with the lemonade.
0: No, it's a straight Philly- shot thing. Yeah. So I wonder if people from Philadelphia, when they want to, che- well, first of all, if you're from Philly and you come to Chicago looking for a Philly cheese, it'd be kind of hard to find like a legit. Because in my mind, the only legit Philly cheese that's out there has Cheese Whiz. And we've gone back and forth on this. I am a Cheese Whiz, Philly cheese enthusiast. Okay. If it doesn't have Cheese Whiz, you can't call it legit. No, you can, go
1: up, yeah, you can go up and, uh, and we can, like I said, my <laughs> favorite hack was always, like, you know, going to get going over to, in Chicago over to Philly's Finest, getting the cheesesteak.
0: And then having the steak it.
1: Yeah, then going to Popeye's and getting some chicken.
0: I don't think it's a legit Philly cheesesteak when you do that, although I'm still looking to try that. That sounds like a hell of a hack. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's just an a, a little mashup, but yeah, Philly's Finest does make some pretty good cheesesteaks. Yes,
0: yeah, so... But even then, it's not a tradition to, like, pair it with lemonade, unless, of course, you're on the South Side. So I guess it's just one of those unique South Side Chicago things Mm -hmm. that have really blossomed outside of the Chicagoland area. Much the same way is, um, what, taffy grapes? Yes. Which I'm obsessed with, which if you guys have not had taffy grapes, um, look them up. They are just... Amazing. (laughs) They're like candied apples, but they're grapes. Yeah. So. Go
1: and get your lovely little.
0: Proof that the south side of Chicago, which I I see is is my people, we're forever winning. (laughs) Mm. But. um,
1: You're from Indiana.
0: Hey, hey. I prefer to say that we live on the south, south, south side of Chicago. Where we live in Northwest Indiana is considered Chicago
1: Yeah you know the bros say like you No know, they be in the south side They in the hundreds wow, wow, hundreds. Now we in the two hundreds
0: Yes we're in the beyond the hundreds yeah. <laughs> So Anyway Outside of that um, Just wanted to also Take an opportunity to um, To share Speaking of foodie and pop culture the one thing that I've discovered that was sort of like the nexus of both is the recent um, announcement by Burger King that they're dropping the Impossible Whopper. And on our trip to Indianapolis, I actually tried the Impossible Whopper. I tried to get Vic Daddy to try it. Vic Daddy looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs>
1: that was a mountain she wasn't moving
0: <laughs> but you know you guys know what you know what? and I know we've talked about the impossible burger on past episodes of the show and I happen to personally love the impossible slider that's currently um, sold by um, White Castle I've also had the wall burgers plant version but I don't think they use impossible I think they use beyond burger for theirs I, I think so say. I've,
1: heard, I've heard a couple different things
0: yeah, um, I was not a fan of the Wall Burgers Beyond Burgers, I have to say. And what? even though...
1: <laughs> you will say
0: why, I, I just wasn't. I don't know. Maybe it was the way it was prepared. It could very well be because it was a cold burger, because you picked it up, and then by the time I got it, I had to reheat it. So maybe, maybe the problem was me in the reheating. Okay. But that said, the White Castle Impossible Slider... It was good, but it didn't taste like a White Castle Slider, but I wasn't expecting it to.
1: Yeah, but, like, you know, the Wahlburger was probably, <laughs> main, like, you know, it was probably nice and put together, like, by Mark Wahlberg's muscular little hands, or <laughs> Donnie Finger Wahlberg's little bad boy. We don't know what he did. He might be been in the back, you know. The Wahlberg's, yeah, like, you know, the Wahlberg's have to, like, you know, be in their <laughs> thing. And it might have been, like, you no, know, it might have been Donnie Wahlberg, like, you know, in the back, like, you know, with his bad boy image back in the day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Trying to do his little thing.
0: First of all, it was from the Wahlburgers in Chicago. So clearly Danny Donnie or any of the Wahlburger family probably did not make this burger. <laughs> hey, he might have been. Ginny
1: McCarthy's from uh Chicago. Nothing I'm acknowledging at this moment.
0: I'm but... not sure if I wanna burger made that Ginny McCarthy.
1: Yeah, but you know I ain't vaccinated.
0: Well <laughs> stop. No. Okay, that's for another day, but that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you guys So, I'm very, very sorry um, We're having technical difficulties So, please forgive that Little interlude there
1: Yes, okay, Jimmy McCarthy came after me
0: See, that was because you made fun of her
1: <laughs> Yeah
0: So, anyway um, While I'm horrified that we Just had a problem with our mic Um <laughs> Um, basically what we had with the beyond burger situation with the wall burger, it was good, but it wasn't necessarily my favorite. My, It wouldn't be my first choice, okay. but with the Whopper, that's different because the Whopper is sort of a, <clears throat> it's, a, it's an iconic burger. Everyone knows what a Whopper is supposed to taste like, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Burger King was admittedly taking a risk by taking a burger that would have been part of their regular menu that everyone is familiar with, right? And then replacing the meat with the Impossible Burger. Mm -hmm. So the key was not only to make a burger taste good, but the key was to make it taste like their legendary Whopper. And so when I ordered it, I admit I kind of had a little apprehension. Apprehension, Yeah. Because, you know, in the case of the slider, the Impossible slider is hella good, but it doesn't have the same texture and consistency of a regular White Castle slider.
1: This, I mean, the steam grilled might affect it.
0: A yeah. Bit. It's just hard to recreate that steam grilled with the onions flavor, right? Yes. That said, you guys, the Impossible Whopper oh my God, tastes exactly like I couldn't, like if you removed the wrapper and handed it to me, you would not be able to tell the difference. Um, in fact, I almost went up there and was asking whether or not, are you sure this is what I ordered? Because <laughs> seriously, the way that it, it worked together, it, it had the perfect um, smoky um, flavor of the regular flame grilled burger. The texture was on par with it. Maybe it was a little bit thinner. Um, but yeah, outside of that, yeah, kudos to Burger King for putting that together. Um, so if you've been kinda thinking about trying it, because I know I've mentioned before in this podcast that Big Daddy and I, we experiment with um a meatless meal at least once a week because it's not only better for our health, but you know, it's better for the environment. I mean, you can Google and studies and show how much water and resources and grass and land and all of that stuff that a herd of cattle actually takes, and you know how it in it a affect our environment not only that but when you look at other um westernized civilization other countries they don't rely so much as meat as their main source
1: yeah so they they're they're not you know they're not finishers. <laughs> You know, Big Daddy disagrees
0: with me. <laughs> That's okay. I get it. You
1: know, I, I know I'm, I'm trying to do so uh, You know, I'm trying to be healthier. I am committing to, you know, meatless meals. Yes, for reason. But yes, like you know, the whole fallacy or non-fallacy of you know, like how much you know this affects an environment and how much war the you know the world is seventy four percent water or something percentage wise. The world is, you know. Yeah, you could eat less cows, but or you can do better things. And, you know, make healthier cows or whatever, or have be healthier. But no, I, I'm I'm not all that worried. You know, that's a Chick fil A type thing.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not a Chick fil A eater because we have problems with their their personal choices. Yeah, some of their
1: models, yeah, yes. but that's
0: okay.
1: <laughs> you know, that I'm cool said, with it.
0: That's it for whatever reason that you want to try. The impossible um, whopper, I give it a thumbs up and definitely try it because it. From my understanding, I thought it was supposed to be on their menu for like a permanent thing, but they say it's like a temporary time. So I don't know if they're just testing it to see if there's a demand. Um, but seriously, it's really impressive. So no, I'm
1: going to say that you know I, I would like to believe that you know if it's there for a short time. They might you know take the you know the Tend to like you know a McRib, or
0: oh that could be yeah yeah.
1: At the same time, I I'm of the opinion that because you know the the growing I don't want to say trend because I want to be like nice about this. I think that you now people are going towards a a dis a different healthier diet, and I think that if this gets enough you know groundswell of you know thing where enough people ordered that yeah they might keep it on as more of a permanent um thing you know because everyone wants a healthier lifestyle and if this is as good as you say it is because i haven't touched it um (laughs) that i will be thinking that yeah they would keep it permanently and maybe make more um forms like it you know whether it be on the whopper like you know some impossible chicken
0: maybe Um, the kings or things like that the king burgers they have yeah and to be fair, this is not a new thing for White Castle. Like right now, even before they had the apostle Burger, a lot of people don't know this. They actually have a veggie burger on the menu that you could order, but it's not immediately on the menu. So you may not see it as you pull up to the drive-thru, but I've been with other friends of mine who are vegetarian and who've ordered this before. And it's a just your standard um, black bean um, burger-based patty. So, so it's completely different than um the version of the impossible burger. That said, this was kind of big because even then it was his own separate thing. Like you couldn't ask for a whopper and like trade the regular beef for this um veggie the veggie alternative. So the fact that they had enough faith in saying, okay, this is enough. Close enough to the iconic burger that we can serve it with confidence, knowing that our vegetarian clients can order it and still have the Whopper experience. So it's a lot about the quality of the Impossible Burger. And we'll talk about this on a future episode because I'm going to be from um, one of our meatless meals. And I'm just giving you fair warning because you always say I never give you fair warning when I make it. <laughs> but I'm going to substitute like the Beyond Beef because they make like a sausage base. Thing that I heard is really good, so I'm gonna make one of the sausage meals I normally make with the Impossible or the and Beyond sausage.
1: Mm-mm,
2: mm-mm, 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 <laughs> mm-mm. Come
0: on, you
1: agree? <laughs> <mm-mm, mm-mm>, <laughs> yeah, we'll mm-mm.
0: it'll be good. I'm yeah. also I'm also
1: about to call shenanigans on this. You know, this burger that you partook of—it was in West Lafayette, Indiana, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm a little different. concerned about, you know, the brothers, you know, in the back who made this. I think they might have, you know, <laughs> slipped you a little something different.
0: <laughs> that was an impossible burger. I, it yeah, was.
1: Yeah, and you sure, right? Yes. So <laughs> they might have put the wrapping of an impossible burger, but, you know. You
0: they probably know, said, you know, no, that sister ordered
1: something different. Yeah, we're going to slip a little extra, you know, mayonnaise and mustard <laughs> on something to say, yeah, we're going to make this impossible. It's impossible <laughs> for you to know that, yeah, they basically just took a regular, like, you know, Whopper and give something kind of a funky to it.
0: No, no, it was it was really good. So, <laughs> so another thing that debuted um, this week um, since our last episode that we are super excited about, or we're both excited about it, as opposed to I'm excited about the Impossible Whopper. Maybe you're not so much. Is the debut of of the trailer for Dolomite is my name. It's the new Netflix movie that's made with Eddie Murphy, and it's talking about the life. Of Rudy Ray Moore. And if you guys aren't familiar with Rudy Ray Moore, he is like, oh my God, such a wild character. Um, Rudy Ray Moore became famous in the seventies. Um, he recorded, um, comedy albums, which we have talked about before. The last time we talked about Eddie Murphy and Netflix, you may recall from a different episode where back in the day before the days of Netflix streaming and, you know, back in the days before you know, XM Radio. If you wanted to get your kicks for the the real dirty, <laughs> the blue X-rated comedy, then your grandmoms out there were probably listening to um, cassette tapes and vinyls of comedy albums, and so they had comedians like Red Fox. They had people like Richard Pryor, um, LeWanda Page.
1: Yeah, Moms Mabley.
0: Moms Mabley, and what they did is it was kind of like this underground thing, right? So, like my parents, and I'm probably confessing something because I know my dad listens to the podcast. Sorry, dad. My parents had Red Fox tapes that yeah, they used I used to sneak and listen to. My
1: parents would not listen to those things. They were too, their ears were too Puritan for this.
0: Oh, he is so lying. I, mean, I have never found any records
1: from my father or my mother that involved such tomfoolery.
0: Anyway, if you happen to get your hands on some of these, especially the vinyl, some of these are legendary. And so a lot of these comedians made their name from this underground network of these comedy tapes, right? And so one person in particular who made his name was Rudy Maymore. And he um, created a character that was called Dolomite. Mm
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Dolomite, let me remember. Dolomite was, what was he? He was a nightclub owner and a pimp. Yes. And he spent 20 years in prison.
1: For a crime he, did he didn't not commit.
0: commit. <laughs> and so when he got out, okay, let me just say this is not, this is clearly problematic. So those of you who are sensitive and wondering about not safe for work, and this is not it. So he goes out in classic Black Sex movie style with his gang of prostitutes to wreck havoc and get revenge on the man who framed him. Yes. And Dolomite, who damn the man did not look anywhere close to like a Kung Fu master. Seriously, you would not mistake him for Bruce Lee. What was the name of the black guy that in the seventies, who was the Kung Fu master that we saw the movies of?
1: I want to call it like uh, I can't remember Steve, Steve something.
0: No, no, it wasn't Steve. It was the, the little guy.
1: The little guy.
0: Yeah.
1: The little kung fu master.
0: Yeah, I remember we used to, we were talking about it, like.
1: It was a guy.
0: Anyway, back in the seventies, there was a lot of kung fu movies back then.
1: It wasn't like Dragonfly Jones. No. And if it was you like,
0: don't know what we're talking about, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're not going to stop for that joke. <laughs> But anyway, um.
1: yeah, the best way to explain this was like, you know, Dolomite was a creation of Rudy really, Ray really Moore, like you know, in the part where like, you know, the black exploitation movement was basically a thing of movies within the seventies, where and early eighties, where you know, you had white producers or directors and whatever that would be making these little um, back, you know, inner city movies or movies about inner city living where, you know, we would were really just,
0: gritty and they were really
1: gritty. And, you know, you would have like, you no know, things about the streets and the ghetto and whatever. And they'd be talking all this yin yang, but yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be kind of gritty. And it would be some of it at first. Yeah. It was, a, I don't want to say it was, it was definitely exploitation. You know, it was stereotypical. And then like some of the black directors said, Hey, we going to jump in this and we going to make our own movies and kind of stylized. It It was kinda of like having the you know, like a black superhero in the neighborhood that was kinda of like a black avenger but Yeah very problematic.
0: It's kind of like, you know, um oh god, now I can't think of it. Um old boy from Netflix, the Luke Cage. It was Luke Cage before Luke Cage was Luke Cage. Yes. <laughs> but you know, to be fair, and we're we're fans of black exploitation movies, so
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know Seriously, if Cleopatra, not a Cleopatra Jones, but like Foxy Brown or Mm -hmm. Coffee is on TV, we will drop everything and watch because that stuff was fun as hell. And, you know, to be fair, there were some white producers like Larry Cohen, who recently passed away, who really created some classic and had respects for both the audience and the stars that were in his movies. So there's like a couple that I would recommend. I think he did When Cotton Comes to Harlem. Mm-hmm. And then also, he did The Big bird cage, um with Pam Greer. Both are really great movies.
1: Yeah, don't get that confused with The Birdcage.
0: Yes, totally different movie, although still great. But yes. no Pam Greer.
1: <laughs> it would be interesting to have like Pam Greer in The Birdcage with Robin Williams and Nathan Lane.
0: That would have been badass. That
1: would have been really funny.
0: That would have been great. Yes. But... But um, we're just really excited about the movie because if you haven't seen the trailer, it looks like they stayed really true to the times and they um, spared no expense in recreating everything. And really, because of the fact that Rudy Raymore was such a complex character, um, it looks like they're going to delve a little bit into, you know, his life and more than just Dolomite the character. So I think this is a kind of like a perfect role for Eddie Murphy. I think it's something that would be really great. And I personally hope that it'll re-inspire interest in that genre. Because I think it's a whole. Black exportation films have been really undervalued over the years. Yeah. And there are some really great ones. Like, for example, Gordon Parks, who was not only an incredible director, but he was an incredibly talented photographer. He Mm -hmm. was the person who directed Shaft. And if you see the new Shaft, you owe it to yourself to see the original. Um, The the original
1: Richard Brown.
0: That was just badass. And it was really great filmmaking. And it was kind of like... a
1: Yeah, the music was a thousand watts. Yes. Of just greatness.
0: Ooh, the music. That was probably one of the best... Parts about when you get a really good one, like Superfly. Superfly, mm-hmm. the soundtrack with Curtis Mayfield, is almost like light years away from the movie itself. And the movie itself is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a really good thing to know as well with Shaft and gordon Parks, And it's kind of like a love letter to Harlem. Um, another really good one that I love, and I know we just talked about it, were the Pam Grew ones with like Coffee and Foxy Brown. And the really great thing about a lot of the Black exploitation films that you wouldn't find in the films in the 70s is it's centered its gaze from the woman's perspective. And so these women were empowered. And so it was really excited to see someone like Pam Greer become a superstar um, for just kind of like kicking ass and taking names and making no apologies. And during a time in the era where, you know, so much was political, that was the time that they were trying to that the Equal Rights Amendment off the ground, and it was kind of like the nexus of, you know, the next stage after the civil rights movement and things like that. To have, you know, a star manifest itself in Pam Greer in these movies was really empowering. And then you have movies like Sweet Sweetback's um, Badass Song that was made by Melvin Van Peoples, which, if you can get your hands on a copy of that, that movie. Was just next level amazing.
1: And it was I, crazy. Yeah.
0: I don't even know how that movie got distributed because basically it was just him kicking the man in the ass.
1: Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was just
0: two hours of that.
1: <laughs> it was also kind of sexually explicit. Uh,
0: yeah. In fact, wasn't that the movie where he got an STD and he successfully got workers <clears throat> cop for t-
1: mm, <laughs> STD mm.
0: shooting a love scene?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay, so not everything we talk about is safe for work, y'all. Yes. (laughs) But if you ever get a moment, Google Melvin Van Peoples and the making of um, Sweet Sweet Back's badass song, or better yet, Marvin Van Peoples, who is Melvin's son, or Mario. Mario. Mario Van Peoples made a movie based on the making of this film that is called Badass. And if you guys can get your hands on it, please do. It is, if you are interested about, if you see Dolomite, and Dolomite is my name, and um, you want to know more about these era movies before Dolomite is my name debuts later, I think, next month at the Toronto International Film Festival. Badass, I think, it's like a love letter to that time. He made it, um, again, he made it based on his father's making of this legendary film, and it talks about kind of like the griller, um the grilla um movie making style that they made as far as doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it truly is a great film. It deserved a lot more credit than it actually got. Um but yeah, this is kind of like an era of filmmaking you won't see again. And it looks like Eddie Murphy and the cast and oh my gosh, it looks like every black person in Hollywood is in this movie. So like Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes and Mike Epps and um, Titus Burgess, who I love, love, love um, from um, he's going to be in the movie and um, so yeah, um, Keegan-Michael Key is in the movie so it looks like it'll be a good time. So like I said, it's debuting on it's sometime in September at the Toronto International Film Festival and then later on it'll be streaming on Netflix and in the movie theater so hopefully you can see it. And check it out. So that's one of the things that we saw. They were like, oh my god, we can't wait. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Black Exploitation film from the era?
1: Well, uh, most of the ones with, you know, Fred and Hammer Williamson. You know, almost all of them because, you know, he's from...
0: Oh, that's he's from right. England. He's from Gary
1: Yeah, he's from Gary Indiana. Oh, that's
0: um, great. Right.
1: They're all, like, you know, pretty good, like, you know, uh, I can't think of the one, like, because most of them, like, I think of, like, you know, Blacks rotation is just this big, uh, you know, collage of different ones that are great in parts, but, you know, kind of problematic in those. But, like, you know, Superfly, like you said, is just one of the genres, like, craziest, you know, slickest ones, like, you know, where a lot of guys kind of aspire to, you know, a different kind of lifestyle, which, as you find out, is very problematic, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> And they've made remakes of it, you know, but it's still not the original.
0: Oh, the remake. Although the remake is, I and I did see part of the remake. I had to stop because I was, I was kind of bummed, even though they tried to make it their own. Mm-hmm. I, I think the remake of Superfly was not as good. <laughs> the soundtrack really wasn't soulful, but that's just me personally. Um, that does bring up a good point though. Is there any modern movies that you think would kind of carry on the matter of a black exploitation movie? Like, the thing that comes to mind is Black Dynamite. I love Black Dynamite. <laughs> and yeah. if you guys haven't seen Black Dynamite, Black Dynamite was a spoof that was put up with Michael J-, J. White?
1: Michael J. White,
0: yeah. Michael J. White um, several years ago. They actually made it into a Cartoon Network um, version of the movie as well with the characters in it. Mm-hmm. If you see the Cartoon Network version of or the original movie, you get a chance to see it. It is so freaking funny. And it's brilliant. He does such a great job of recreating the absurdity that all the parts that make a black exploitation film, like you have to have someone who's the man. (laughs) It's usually like some mysterious evil white guy who's trying to maneuver everything. In this case, it was Richard Nixon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Tricky There were a lot of men.
0: Yes, right. although there were some women in the black exploitation, like Shelly Winters famously was one. Correct. Yeah, she was hilarious. <laughs> I forget which movie she was in, but yeah. But usually yeah. it was like some big name celebrity that is like past their prime and they are in these movies. Yeah, and
1: some she- random doughboy or whatever Yes, <laughs> uh, I think it was like Joe Don Baker was one.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, he was.
1: Yeah.
0: But you know what? I personally love Live and Let Die because Live and Let Die was like a James Bond slash Black Exploitation movie. Yeah. That's a good one. Or oh, probably the one that I think outside of Black Dynamite would probably be um, gosh, what's the movie that Quentin Tarantino did with Pam Grier that I love so much?
1: Jackie Brown.
0: Jackie Brown. Now, I admit when Jackie Brown came out, I had a problem And I didn't want to see it at first, because even though I like Quentin Tarantino, there are some things that he does that are problematic. Like, I admittedly, that movie that he wrote, True Romance, years Mm. and years ago, remember I rented it when we were in college and I took it back because I just couldn't get past all the times that they kept saying nigger, the Mm. N-word in that movie. And I was just like, you know what? That's excessive. You don't even need that. It's just you're seeing it to shock people. And I just gave it back. I was like, I want my money back. (laughs) I'm in college and broke. Let me have that. Um, So I was kind of worried when he made Jackie Brown at first that he, even though it was based on um, that really great book, Rum Punch, Mm -hmm. I was worried that he would kind of not pay respects to the Black um, exploitation era. But it was really a love note to Pam Greer and it was so well done and all the characters were so engaging and the love story between Pam and Robert Preston I think it was I think so yeah it was just it was really amazing and I just big daddy can tell you Jackie Brown is now my favorite one of my favorite movies so every time it's on I just have to drop everything and watch it it's just it's really well done, so that would probably be one that I would recommend outside of Black Dynamite.
1: Yeah, especially with the interplay between Samuel Jackson and Robert De Niro. Of oh,
0: people. yeah, that was cool.
1: <laughs> also, who was it? Bridget Fonda or Bridget Moynihan That was also.
0: It was Bridget Fonda. Okay. Which, by the way, shout out to Bridget Fonda. I'm so sorry. It sounds like I, um, right before we recorded, we found out the passing of her father, um, Peter Fonda. Yeah yeah and as you can probably tell from listening to our podcast along with foodies and pop culture buffs we are also movie buffs and so he was in a lot of great movies one of my favorite with peter fonda was in yuli's gold Mm -hmm. so um again i heard he just passed away this weekend so um hearts go out to the fonda family Mm -hmm. so in wrapping up this segment um Outside of bringing back the excitement of Dolomite and the 70s with this new trailer, it looks like everything old is being recycled. So along with Dolomite dropping their trailer, there was a trailer that dropped. And I just recently found out a movie um, reboot of one of my favorite shows from the 90s, Rocco's Modern Life. Okay. Um, so Netflix is rolling that out. In fact, there's a lot of things from, like, the 90s. I don't know if you noticed they are coming back. So, like, there's another show which you probably have never seen. A lot of these are cartoons because, again, I had younger siblings when I was in college.
1: Yeah, you're kind of a you know, younger sibling of yourself some days.
0: <laughs> but, you know what? To be fair, Rocco's Modern Life was not a kid's show, okay? Mm-hmm. There's, like, an episode of Rocco's Modern Life and where Rocco...
1: No, Would you really want to go there?
0: No, it's fine. I mean, they don't do it explicitly, but Rocco was like a phone sex operator. (laughs) He lost his job. And if you've Mm -hmm. never seen it, it's a show about a wallaby. His best friend is a cow named Heifer. Um, He hangs out with a turtle named Filbert. And he lives in like this like environment where there's mostly live, um, these animal like creatures that live around him. So Rocco loses his job, and so he has to find another job. And one of the many positions that he tries out for and does is he's a phone sex operator. But they don't tell the kids he's a phone sex operator.
2: Good Lord.
0: So, but for an adult watching this, I think I was like eighteen, nineteen when this episode came out. Mm-hmm. He's literally on the phone going, ooh, baby, ooh, baby, ooh, baby.
1: <laughs> and they left that on television.
0: They left that on Nickelodeon. And okay. I saw that with my brother and sister And I remember having to run out the room laughing my ass off because I didn't want them to know why that was funny. Because I'm like, okay, how am I going to explain to them what he's doing?
1: They probably already knew.
0: They did not know. Trust me, they had no idea.
1: They a lot about your family.
0: (laughs) But they're bringing Rocco back. Um, They just recently launched a kind of a meta relaunch reboot of 90210. Um, I just read right before we started recording that for fans of the 90s show, The Proud Family, which was really a groundbreaking Disney cartoon series that was in the 90s where it featured an all black cast. Um, They are actually relaunching The Proud Family this fall when Disney starts their streaming service. So it looks like everything is coming back, which is kind of (laughs) cool. In a way, because hopefully they'll reintroduce um, these shows to a brand new market. And they're not really relegated to the 90s, too. So one of my favorite movies from when I was a child, um, The Dark Crystal, Netflix is actually making a sequel to it.
1: I hate that movie.
0: You hated The Dark Crystal? Yeah. How did you hate The Dark Crystal? It was great.
1: Sorry, it was too weird for me. I I just didn't (laughs) have that kind of mentality. That was good for other people. I'm cool with it. But no, it just wasn't my type of movie.
0: So you were like freaked out when you saw the Skeksis because when I mm-hmm. had people, the people who I knew hated that movie were freaked out by the Skeksis.
1: Yeah, yeah, didn't like. Okay. No, nah, I didn't, I didn't know think. that. No.
0: Nah. <laughs> well, I will not be taking you when I watch The Dark Crystal and checking it out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, are there any reboots that you're excited about, or any movies that, or shows that you wish they would bring back?
1: Reboots of shows. Maybe- there are a lot of shows that really in their time were like just epic but really when they left they should have stayed gone and just to bring them back is not really worth it because I don't think it's at the time in which they came they were perfect but now I don't know if today's audiences are quite keen in on what they were there for um things that I would like to see come back um, just good family comedies, like, you know, not trying to be too slick or like, you know, hip to the jive or whatever, but I mean, but at the same time, I'm the person I know that like, they've taken stabs at trying to bring it back, but I really would like to see a well written, well performed. I know like, you know, the black the sketch comedy was oh, yeah. really cool, but at the same time, like, I really want to see a well built, well rebooted, like, living color because it was Ooh. epic. I mean, just epic. You know you what, know? Though, And all the people that came out of it. Could
0: show, they do a living color today? Because I don't know how it was in your family. I think I told you in my family mm-hmm. when a living color first came out back in the day like my mom and dad and we were all watching because we were just sure that they were going to take it off in the middle of the show. Mm -hmm. We were watching to see like, Ooh, they can't say that on TV. Ooh, they can't take that off of the commercial break. (laughs) So I wonder if they could really get away with that today. But then again, I also heard that they're bringing back the boondocks Mm -hmm. and that's another series that I wonder that, even though the Boondocks was ahead of his time. I mean, think about the R. Kelly episode and how epic that was. Yeah. But could they say the things they said on television today?
1: Well, it doesn't have to be on Fox or Nickelodeon. No, it could <laughs> It could be on, you know, some of the network. Maybe it, maybe it could be on Netflix, probably. You know.
0: Yeah, that would probably be the only way they could bring those back.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things where they could push the envelope a little more. Because Lord knows, you know, with some of the shows they have on even network television, (laughs) excuse me, that, you know, involve, you know, women being like assaulted and um, hurt or, you know, just a number of violence and sexual situations that occur on television now um, in different platforms. Yeah, there's nothing to say that, you know, you could have you couldn't have if you have like really tremendous writers and. Uh, sketch performers, and improv people that you can have, you know, because they're they're out there. You know, it's just a matter of bringing them together, um, bringing to like having something like in living color, um, to go along with like you know to pick up the pace after, uh, something like Game of Thrones with all this violence and sex. You know, I would like to see a, a li- in living color come back. I would like to see a. Living single. I know we have Insecure and, like I said, the black lady, black lady sketch comedy. And I know we had girlfriends for a while. But, like, bringing back something like a... um, In Living Color. Sorry. And a Living Single um, would be really epic. I would love to. I, I know that they were talking about bringing back Martin. Um,
0: I don't know if they could bring back Martin without Tommy. It just didn't feel the same. I, know, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It would feel really... I don't know, it would be something missing if they brought it back without Tommy. You know what they're bringing back? <laughs> I feel kind of bad because it's clearly not a family comedy or not epic, but I read somewhere that they're actually rebooting the Mortal Kombat movie.
1: Oh and... yeah, that's Jennifer's jam.
0: <laughs> okay, you guys. True story. I'm like secretly obsessed with like the original Mortal Kombat movie. It's problematic as hell. I don't even know why they cast, like, a French actor to play Raiden. (laughs) But seriously, it's cheesy and it's ridiculous and it's cartoonish. And I have seen the original Mortal Kombat, like, at least 30 times. Do Mm -hmm. not see Mortal Kombat Annihilation for the love of God, though. See the original. If you take my advice on anything. The sequel, it was just, like... We're going to grab some cash now. And we have no idea we've ever seen the movie. So it was bad. The sequel was horrifying. But the original, I know it by heart to the point where I annoy Big Daddy every time we watch it. In yes. fact, there's this whole segue where they're talking about, Braden's explaining to them the whole thing about Mortal Kombat. And Sonia said, so a handful of people and a leaky vote is going to save the world. And every time he gets to that line, Big Daddy looks at me like, you're not going to say that, are mm-hmm. you? And I do every time. Yes. Because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I heard that they're actually rebooting that. So I'm kind of excited, even though it sounds like they're going to make it like the original Mortal Kombat was they wanted to get as many kids to see it as possible it was back in it early 80s or late 90s, I think.
1: Yeah, it was like mid 90s.
0: Yeah, because we were in college when the first one came out. So mm-hmm. um, this one, as opposed to the last one, they're going to make it a hard R. So it's probably going to be like really gory and probably way beyond what I wanted to watch. Oh,
1: kind of like the video <laughs> game itself.
0: Yes. Although I did like the original video game, but the known ones now, I'm just like, really, there's no need to do that. They already did. Mm. You've gone extra And for me to say you've gone extra You've gone extra So anyway (laughs) I am kind of curious to see the reboot of that I'm sort of secretly psyched about that
2: Mm.
0: So But yeah I I think you're right I think going back to what you said About some of these other Netflix uh, Other shows Maybe the only way for them to be rebooted Would be to Netflix or Hulu Or something like that Where you can be edgy without fear of getting canceled. Cause like, look at the Netflix those they have like Patriot is an excellent show where they talk about topics that they probably couldn't put on regular television. And Hassan Minhaj does a really great job of covering them. So, and the way that's funny, but introspective and smart. So yeah, that's probably the way that they would bring that back.
1: Yeah. That would be helpful.
0: Well, um, we are, um wrapping up our segment on what's eating us. So we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back, we will end our podcast as we always do with the best thing we ate this week. And yes.
1: Raging wins. Wee wee.
0: Flawless victory. Flawless <laughs> victory. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober and we'll be right back. Hey, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. Let me ask you something. Do you love conversations about hit snacks? Deep philosophical discussions and why, I don't know, corn dogs should be called Meat Twinkies? Or why Love and Hip Hop Atlanta has the right level of ratchet? Well, if you've answered yes to any of these questions, you might be a goober, which is why you should be a part of our bi weekly podcast where we tackle life's most important foodie and pop culture questions like why community fries should be a thing. <laughs> and if you love the Gourmet Goober podcast, how about supporting us? You can give us a five-star review on Stitcher and iTunes. You can drop us a line at goober at gmail.com. You can advertise with us or you can visit anchor.fm backslash goober, click the support this podcast button and put just five on it to help support independent media. So if you're a goober like me, no worries. Just join us here at the Gourmet Goober, be a part of our bi-weekly podcast, and support us now at anchor.fm backslash Gourmet Goober. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Welcome back, um, everyone. This is the Gourmet Goober podcast. And as we close out every um, episode, we always like to share the best thing that we ate this week. And just as a reminder, we usually share um food and like little restaurants and little places that we think that you would really love um, both in the chicagoland area and beyond so this week big daddy what was the best thing that you ate this week
1: the best thing i ate this week
0: mm-hmm.
1: um in closing i would like to say that i did uh, partake of uh, something um uh, that was handed to me locally, but at the same time, actually came from a place actually uh, a little ways away. And ironically enough, A, it was a pizza. Really? And two, um, the ingredients are um, quite special, kind of. But uh, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to, I believe it's called Wise Guys Pizzas. Yeah, Wise Guys Pizza out of D.C.
0: I've never it, heard of that.
1: Yeah. It's a spot in a pretty popular spot in a, the District of Columbia.
0: How did you um, get a hold of the pizza? Just curious.
1: Uh, I had a uh, a colleague who, ironically enough, was in out of all places. He was in Miami for the uh, the National Association of Black Journalists uh, Convention, and he flew. He was flying back, and he had a stopover in District of Columbia. So he ended up staying the night and like left the next morning, but apparently he had some wise guys uh brought to him and he brought some home and just happened to, you know, share it with me while I was at his desk. Um so ironically enough, um I I'm a big, you know, sausage and pepperoni guy. You know, I love my pizza, but I also love it like, you know, with um you know, meat toppings. Because I'm a meat type of dude, but ironically enough, his original pizza was uh <laughs> something called a mushroom shuffle.
0: Wait, wait sorry wait. a
1: mushroom truffle pizza
0: you ate okay, first of all, you guys need to understand how much Big Daddy hates mushrooms. Yes, you ate a mushroom truffle pizza in the best thing you had this week, oh my yeah. God, <laughs> this is like huge,
1: yes. <laughs> This pizza was, even though it had been through 24 hours of travel (laughs) and was probably in somebody's suitcase in a box, (laughs) when it was warmed up, just the, I mean, just the flavoring that was on this pizza. Like the crust was the bomb, you know, the sauce that was underneath, I'm sorry, that was over the top was just tremendous. And. You know, like I said, I'm not a big mushroom type dude, but they like, chopped these things up so fine. And just the truffle sauce that was on it, mm, it was magnifique. <laughs> I was so impressed. Chef
0: kiss, huh?
1: It was so, I was like, mm. <laughs> I was thinking you just fell up a truck. You know, it may have come from some guys, but yeah, it's a strategy scene. You know it was good because, you know, I'm sure he probably paid a pretty good penny for it. <laughs> but yeah, the mushroom truffle pizza. With some, uh, a, you know, it has some sausage on joint, but this was easily the best thing I had this week.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, as always, if you guys check out the show notes, I'm going to look up the, um, it's called Wise Guys out of DC. Yes. So if you guys are in the DC area, I'm going to look up the information and put it in their show notes, notes so you can check it out for yourself. But I am just blown away because... Seriously, the links to with I go to to hide mushrooms in meals that I make. It's like epic. And you just openly ate a pizza that you knew that mushrooms was a major part of it. That Mm -hmm. must have been some good pizza.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know if I can top that, but I think I can. This week, the best thing I had to eat this week, I actually had this last Friday, and let me just set the scene because I, I think I've spoken many times on the show about <laughs> the work I do. Um, no, no, it's okay.
1: No, no, I was trying to get your hand down from
0: you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. The work I do um, is um, grant writing, and I work with a lot of foundations. And part of that is maintaining foundation relationship with your funders. So every once in a while, if they give you money, they want to actually come down to your organization and check it out, right, and do a site visit. And they are really hella stressful. Usually there's a lot of prep work. I have to prep the executive team behind the scenes. I have to make sure that everyone's up to date on my proposal. I mean, it's not, it's it's a meeting that doesn't just happen. It's like a huge process that goes with it. And I wasn't really feeling the best anyway, but I had to get up at the butt crack of dawn because I had to, have to take the train in and had this meeting. So by the time the meeting was over... I just wanted to decompress and leave the office for an hour. So um, I work in Humble Park. I work down the street from the next neighborhood over um, in Wicker Park. And there's this chain of stores, or it's not stores, chain of restaurants that's in the Chicagoland area that's well known for breakfast is called Yolk. And it's not just in Chicago. So I believe there's like a Yolk in Philadelphia. I know they have Yolk in Dallas, Texas. So for our Dallas listeners, and I do know that there's some. Um, you can check it out there. Um, there's Yolk in Indianapolis now, which I'm really excited about, also. Okay. Um, but the Yolk locations in um, Chicagoland: there's one in like Bucktown, in which we'll talk about in a moment. There's the Wicker Park location. There's the one that I usually love, um, that is near the um, the museum campus. Out if you take the South Shore, um, and it's on Michigan Avenue. And it's right there. But, again, they are known for their breakfast items. And I'm usually, once I find something I really love at a restaurant, I kind of stick to it. So I normally get their chicken and waffles. They have probably some of the best chicken and waffles that I have ever had.
1: Chicken and waffles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. I'm an
0: aficionado, I admit that. But on that particular day, it was close to closing. And I knew that I needed something that I could get fairly quickly. So I ordered something that I normally don't order. I ordered their avocado toast. And let me just say this, because I know that there are a lot of people out there who are insane for avocado toast. I've never really got the, the obsession with it, because in some cases it's literally just smush avocado on toast. And don't get me wrong, I love me an avocado. I have gone through a thing of guacamole just by myself <laughs> for dinner. I have no shame on that. I'm a fan of toast, but together I'm not really all that intrigued. But on this particular day, I decided to order it. And it's not because it's just avocado. It's avocado and it has smoked salmon. It had dill flavored cream cheese. It has um, fried capers. And so I thought, hmm, this sounds really intriguing. Something that really quick I can have for lunch and I can go back to work. Let me tell you something. This avocado toast that they had at Yelp, I mean, not Yelp, Yelp. a yolk. Um, and I got it with a side of a poach egg so I could dip the avocado toast in the poach egg. I didn't even eat the dip it in the poach egg. I eat the poach egg separately. Because this avocado toast, when I say that this is a next level, incredibly good meal, it was, Easily the best thing I had this week. I mean, seriously, when I was done eating it, I called the people over. I'm like, dude, I don't like avocado toast. This was incredible. It is really great. It's light. They had sliced avocado. It wasn't overwhelming. Like, it's, it was almost like the avocado was like a side feature to its own dish. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it had avocado in it, but it was also topped with diced onions and tomatoes and they just had a lot of different things um so it wasn't just the avocado and toast but it was all together it was really fresh it was really clean it was you could taste every item that was on it um so like the tomatoes were really well done and fresh and the fried capers added just enough snap to it and salt to it and I, I just can't describe it enough. It, it 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 was really, really great. So when I like dove into it, I was happily sharing with the wait staff, oh my God, this is like the best thing. I know this is cheesy. I want to take a picture of this. I'm going to talk about it on my podcast. This is like my favorite thing ever. So then I learned something really neat about it because I said, I've gone to Yolk plenty of times and I've never seen this on the menu. Well, as it turns out, the avocado toast is a relatively new thing. And speaking about the Bucktown location I was telling you guys about earlier in the segment, as it turns out, they let me in on a little secret. So okay. the Bucktown location of Yolk, and that's the one that's located in on Milwaukee and Levitt, if you're familiar with Chicago Town, that is their test kitchen. And a lot of times when restaurants have test kitchens, they're not open to the public. But this place totally is, right? So they were describing the whole vibe. Like you can go to their test kitchen. First of all, they have this whole array of like coffee um, drinks that you can get. And as opposed to like the regular restaurant where... The wait staff makes the coffee and everything. No, they have full-time baristas. That only job is to make coffee drinks because they want to specialize coffee drinks so they can serve the public later on. And so at this particular location, half of the menu are their staples. So if you go to Yolk, you know, some of their staples are like their salmon scramble, which is actually really good. They also have a kale scramble. They have chicales, chicales. Um, they have a whole host of stuff that they make, like the chicken and waffles. Mm-hmm. And so you can get that if you want. But then they have like a completely experimental um, menu. And sometimes they'll uh, I announce ahead of time that they're testing something. In the case of the avocado toast, which was literally taken off of their test kitchen maybe about three months ago and added to their rotation. But then they also have things where they just get up in the morning and go, you know, let's just have Brussels sprouts prepared this way. Boom, it's on the menu. And it's like a one time thing that you can get only while you're there. So I was so excited about it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> so if you're in the Chicagoland area, first of all, if you're near any yolk, order the avocado toast. I know it sounds kind of sheeshy and kind of bougie, tringy and bougie, wherever you want to put it. But I'm telling you, it is probably one of the best items on their menu.
1: Did you eat it with like your finger up in there? Like your little pinky finger?
0: <laughs> no, I did not.
1: <laughs> That's what you need to do. Was well, it better than Rick Bayless?
0: Rick Bayless is what? Anything. Well, I don't know. His, his guacamole. I have once shoved someone out of line to get some of his guacamole at his guacamole bar. I'm not proud of that, but I have done it. <laughs> that said it is probably one of the best things i know i've eaten in a long time so run not walk and try it and then i'll put the information on the notes and then also if you want to go and specifically experience their test kitchen which we are going to go relatively soon and then i'll share the experience on instagram um yeah go to their bucktown location which is located in levin in milwaukee and try their test kitchen so on that note, we're going to say <laughs> that you've listened to another episode of the Gourmet Goober. GG. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say thank you for listening in. If you wanted to comment on anything you heard in the show, again as a reminder, you can find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. You can find me on Instagram, including check out some of the food that we talked about, including I took a picture of the avocado toast. So you can see how incredibly delicious it looks for yourself. You can find it at gourmet goober on Instagram. Drop us a line at thegourmietgoober at gmail.com. And Big Daddy, again, where can they find you one last time?
1: Well, if you are so intrigued with my voice, um, (laughs) you can find me digitally on T-Outlaw on the Twitter and on Instagram at T-Outlaw Josie Wells. And that's about it.
0: So, as always, we want to thank you for listening. Um, just as a reminder, we are on a biweekly schedule, so you'll hear from us in two weeks. And as always, on behalf of Big Daddy and I, thank you so much for listening, and happy eating.
1: Happy eating.